Hey guys, welcome to The Butter Dish. I'm Natalie Delaney. And I'm Heidi Baller. And today we're joined by Four Weeks to the Beach, also known as Aram Gregorian. All right, tell us a little about yourself. Thank you for having me on. I know this has been a long time in the making. We've talked about this probably for about a year at this point, but uh, you know, better late than never. Yes. Uh, so I am a nutrition coach that wa- that's been a personal trainer for about 15 years now. I train people in person predominantly. Now I'm basically all remote. Uh, and the thing that led me to nutrition was the fact that I was training people four or five days a week for a long time and people just were not getting results. And I think it was because the the gap between nutrition and fitness and lifestyle were just never bridged. And that's what led me to learning about the lifestyle piece of all of this and then being able to put it together so that people do finally get those sustainable results. And then it's not just about the temporary results or whatever the protocol is in the moment, but it's really just holistically changing your whole life so that this isn't just you spinning your wheels and chasing your tail forever. It's finally getting to a point where you're comfortable with it and you understand how to navigate around the different phases that you'll go through. And uh, I just I approach it now from very much more of an internal to external lens as opposed to just focusing on body transformation. Which I kind of love that trajectory for a lot of us, right? Like we're realizing like it's not just the nutrition piece. It's not just the exercise piece. Like it's so much more than that. And I love how you've mentioned it's like, you know, bridging the gap between nutrition and fitness. And I think I would, I think we would probably add, you know, nutrition, fitness, and like overall, like mental health and wellness too, right? Is like really you as like a whole individual. Um, so I love that. Okay. I have to ask, where did your Instagram handle come from? Heidi and I have a debate about what it might mean. So I want to hear it from you. <laughs> well, I, I'm actually curious what the guess is. Okay. So initially we're like, he's telling people that they can like be beach ready in four weeks. And I'm like, and then we're like, no, his content doesn't support that. It's a bait and switch. It's a bait and switch. <laughs> and then it was like, maybe in four weeks, you'll feel like mentally in a place that no matter what you are or whatever, wherever you're at, you can go to the beach. Like in four weeks, like mentally, like you'll feel like you're in a good place. Like, yeah, you like can you're, making progress. you're making progress yeah. and like, no matter where you are or what you look like or whatever, like you'll feel beach ready in that way. Or Whatever happens, I'm going to the beach in four weeks. So, <laughs> this is okay, so tell us which one. <laughs> uh, I think the latter is probably a bit closer, but it's uh, it's the idea of living in a really good state of being and just your maintenance behavior is so good that if you wanted to feel or look a little bit more confident in your clothes or, in, or out of your clothes or whatever, that you don't have to overhaul everything overnight and make this drastic change to create that transformation. So it's just, it's always, I have a really good handle on this, but I'm going away with the girlfriends in four weeks. So I just, I I know I can just ratchet it up a little bit. And it's not this, like I'm going to Cancun in three months. I've never paid attention to any of this. And I have to go completely the other direction in order to change all my behavior. And then when I come back from my trip, I'm going back to a really shitty average. So that's the concept. It's basically just a perpetual life of maintenance to where you can go up or down from because you have those tools in your toolbox. Okay. So let's dive into our podcast. Today, we want to actually kind of talk a little bit about, you know, especially as we're heading into, you know, obviously into 2023, definitely people are, their thoughts are on revamping or renewing or rehashing or just, you know, completely overhauling who they are as people. And we want to kind of talk about how that might not actually be like your best success piece, or it could be right. So we're going to figure out where you might fall into this. So we wanted to kind of talk um, with Aram about like, you know, 
different things that you can be doing that maybe you've done in the past and you're like, man, this is like my like fifth year at this gym. And I don't really feel like I'm seeing any results or I'm doing any different, or I've been following keto for like three years and it doesn't seem to be working or whatever it is. I know I had it. Who, who follows keto for three years? What kind of sick person are you? Uh, we've met people who are, they attempt keto for three years, right? I mean, well, I mean, like, I mean, I'm fully guilty. I think I've probably signed up for Weight Watchers like six times, like in my life, right? <laughs> it just, sometimes you just think, like, especially if you've had like one, it worked once, right? We have this belief like, oh, it must work again. And then real, and then, and then when it doesn't, we think, oh, well, it's just because we just suck, right? And so this whole cycle continues. So let's let's dig into your thoughts. You had a couple of thoughts before we hopped on this podcast of like, let's talk about this group fitness burnout. Uh, well, first, before we even get into that, I'd like to just tell people that it's not that you're broken, it's that your methods are broken. Mm. So like, don't ever consider your, like, I think a lot of, I mean, I train mostly or I work with mostly females and I always have this, you know, this thought from them that like, my body is broken, my metabolism is broken, it doesn't want to do anything, it doesn't respond it's just reacting to the life that you've lived up to that point. So it's not that you're, it's not that you're physically incapable of, of, see, of getting results. It's that your approach by which you're trying to get those results is not the best. The body is really good at adapting and it gets really good at anything it does for any period of time. And I think people get to a point where on average, I would say probably three to six months of group fitness will basically start to stalemate. Especially if you're like couch to fitness, like I've never done anything concrete or, constru or constructive and now I'm going to do this. Great. First three months, like people are rocking and rolling. I've seen women lose 30, 40 pounds. They feel great. And then it's just like this, boom, nothing happens anymore. And then the answer is more classes or less food or both. Start to get to a point mentally where you're like, hey, I actually do. I'm, I'm curious. Like I have some curiosity about how my body works and how it responds to exercise and how it responds to food. Like be curious. Don't just be led around by this person saying that or this person saying that. Like, try some stuff and see how you feel doing it. Like, and give it an honest shot as opposed to, yeah, I'm just going to go back to what's easy. One of the things that I'm thinking about immediately is that what, what is it about that that makes it so hard to be curious? I mean, women have so much shame around their bodies and um, what it is, what it isn't, what it should be. Um, and I think sometimes like you to use your example, going from couch to class is a huge emotional investment for women. And then it starts to pay off and they start to see these changes. They're getting like positive reinforcement from other people, from themselves, from the mirror, from the scale. Um, and it's, that's a, that's a, it's a, I can see also how that would be something, it would be scary to be curious about that because, um, of how much you've invested in it, right? Like the cognitive dissonance piece of like, you know, you want it to, you want that recipe to keep working because it did work. And if it didn't work, then, you know, there goes your whole like paradigm. Um, so I think that that is such a, it's such a powerful message to start off with that you're, you're not broken, your methods are broken. Um, and realizing that there's, there's more than one way to get where you're going. And like all of these different things that you're talking about, whether meal prep or, lifting versus classes. It's all depends on what you want. And that's another thing that shame can completely block women from, or and men from understanding what, what they want, because uh, they're so lost in this um, minefield of shame about what they're, what they, what they 
can hope for for themselves, right? And I think that's such a it's a great breakdown of how like not only can the will the body adapt to positive things, the body will adapt to negative things too. And that goes for mentally as well as physically. It's just sad that we live in a world where we're so pressured to look a certain way as opposed to feel a certain way. And people will bury themselves into the ground to look a certain way and forget completely how they feel. Um, and I've been there, like I've been 7% body fat. I did a photo shoot. It was great, but is it worth the picture? Like who gives a <laughs> like, I think that's the, that's the reality is, and, and it's so easy to play the comparison game. You hop on Instagram for five minutes and before you know it, you're, you, you want to kill yourself because you just looked at 35 heavenly bodies, not knowing anything about their background, what their lifestyle is, what their circumstances are, what their average day looks like. And you as a 45 year old mother of three who had a a minute between her responsibilities that day is now feeling like about herself because you just looked at a 23 year old influencer who lives at home with her parents. Um, and it's like, also understand the messaging that you're receiving. Like, is it an appropriate account to follow? Shouldn't she be following you guys as opposed to the girl who's got nothing but time all day long with no kids and no responsibilities to work out and eat a certain way. Um, so just vet your information better. And if you, if accounts are not serving you or teaching you something or inspiring you, then probably don't look at them because they're going to make you feel like crap. And and I, I deal with this every day. Like I go to a bodybuilding gym in San Diego where 90% of the people in there look way better than I do, but I don't care. Like I know where I'm at. I know I'm not willing to do the work that they're doing. I know I'm not willing to live the life that they live. So I don't give a shit. I'm going to go there, put my head down, listen to my headphones and do my thing and leave. And they can sit there with the tripods and the and, and influence all they want because that's just not who I am. And, and I think if you're at, in your 30s or 40s and you haven't gotten to that level of enlightenment yet, you haven't done enough inner work spiritually, mentally to really figure out who you are as a person, what it is the hell that you want and what you're actually and what you want versus what you're willing to do. Oh, my like, gosh, totally. And be proactive about it, because you've got some events coming up in your life that are going to break those shelves down if you don't start now. Well, and I love what you just said, because that's really what it comes down to. Right. It's like I love when you're like, I know what it takes to look like that. Like and and that's part of that curiosity piece. Right. It's like for everyone who is you know spinning their wheels or going to group fitness and wondering why they don't look like some of these Instagram models, it's like are they doing that too? Or like, are you also envying their genetics? Are you, you know, envying their, their lifestyle more than you are like the actual result of it? Like you, the three of us sit here know what it would take to be stage lean. Okay. And the three of us are like, we're good. Right. But that's also because we know what it takes and we're not willing to pay the cost. And I think that people, there's that talk about bridging a gap. There's this huge moat in between that most people have no idea what it is, right? They're like, Oh, I'm willing to work hard, but okay. Which is great but are you willing to work hard that way? You know, and yeah. you know, you mentioned, you know, your client that went from orange theory fitness and, and going into like, you know, having her strength train and, and lift. And it is, it is a terrifying, uh, because all of a sudden it becomes about what you do, right? Cause then, you know, you get into the nuances of form and hurting yourself or using a machine that you don't know about, or walking into a space where people like to act like they know what they're doing. And I fully agree. When we went to a global gym, we're like, Oh, Oh, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Please don't do so distracting. You know, but like you, you know, and it is a scary thing. And, and as somebody who actually, you know, loves CrossFit, I actually, I mean, and I know that it's not optimal for hypertrophy or anything like that. And I, I did have a stint where I did strength train for a while, but I do know that it requires me a lot more energy and mental effort to do that. And so for the phase and place that I am in my life right now, 
I am aware that like joining a CrossFit classes where I can kind of get lost in my mind and not have to think about it. Right. But I'm at least owning and acknowledging the fact that I know that's what I'm doing it for. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it is. It's like, if I'm going to CrossFit thinking that I'm going to be super jacked and, and have it be optimal and have all the aesthetics, well, that's the, that's the problem. That's not true. Right. It's not, it's better than nothing, but it's not going to get me the ultimate results of if I were like strength training with mesocycles and things like that and whatever. But at the time where I am at right now, mentally, what I can handle is a CrossFit class where I show up, it's programmed for me. I do the work and I leave because I enjoy it. I enjoy moving heavy, heavy barbells around and, and doing the wads that way. But I also am aware of what it gets me, right? Like what, what I get from that stimulus, right? And that's part of the education piece. So you can go to Orange Theory Fitness all you want if you really, really enjoy it, but know what it's not getting you as well. Yeah. Right. Totally. And that's like that gap, right? Between nutrition and fitness. It's like you can eat this way all you want, but know that it's not going to get you this, right? Totally. Or you can work out this way all you want. Like if you love Pure Bar, like there's some people love Pure Bar. If you love Pure Bar, Pure Bar your face off. Just know it's not going to give you this. Yes. Right. And, and like, none of us are dissing on any way that you want to move. We, we, we want you to celebrate and enjoy what you're doing. Like if you're a marathon runner, that's awesome. But also don't expect to look super jacked, like a bodybuilder, because you're not doing actually anything to create that look, right? Mm-hmm. It's like running is not going to get you that aesthetic, but if you love it, like by all means do it, but know what you're getting from it. Right. And totally. that's kind of like the overarching, like idea of what we're talking about is like, you can do all these things. They're not bad, right. Air quote bad, but they don't all get you the same thing. Right. Just yeah. exercise alone with any kind of weight doesn't equal, you know, muscle mass built. Totally. Yeah. But nice. but then there are generally benefits to exercise regardless of what type. Sorry, yes. I didn't mean to come Yeah, up. no, I, it's like I suck at yoga. I should do <laughs> yoga. Like I should do yoga oh, once really? a week. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would benefit me greatly in all of the stuff that I do, but I don't do it purely because I look at it as an efficiency of time situation. Like how much time do I have in a week to get out of the house and move? And how do I want to spend that time? Because I know what my end result and outcome is. And I know what tools I need to use out of my belt to get there. And I think a lot of people have like, are just sitting there in front of this massive toolbox and they're just, they're grabbing like wrenches to like hammer and nails. They're grabbing hammers to, to turn screws and they don't understand what each thing is doing. And they're just trying everything. Yeah. So, they're like, it's a tool. It must do, it must all do the same thing. Like, yeah. no. No, like they're all vastly specific in what they're trying to like. And there's not, and like you said, there's nothing wrong with being like, I had a client who was really going down this journey where she wanted to try different types of sports with her husband, like her husband golfed, he played basketball, he did all these things. And she's like, I want to do all these things. I said, that's great, but you don't even have the basics down yet. So let's not start like trying to get really specific about what your skill sets are until you get just general physical preparedness figured out, like learn how to squat learn how to row, press, hinge, do all these things, get decent at that stuff, and then start to move out into these other activities because you're going to have more proficiency in them and enjoy them more because you'll feel more confident performing in those things and your body will move better. So, you know, but like doing too much isn't productive and then doing nothing is is not productive. So it's like finding this middle ground that's very difficult for people because it takes, I mean, I've been doing this for 23 years. Like I've been lifting weights since I was 15 years old and 38 years old and I don't have it all figured out. And it's just been this evolution slowly over time. And I look at myself now and it's like, I am the sum total of what I've done for 23 years. I've had periods of time where I was 7% body fat, 20% body fat, 15% body fat. I like living in the middle, mm. but living in the middle takes 10 years of foundational habits to build before you can even enjoy that middle because 
people just don't do it. Like, it's like, I, I have 45% body fat as a female and I want to be 120 pounds. So it's, eh, okay. Do you want to just spend every minute of your day worrying about your nutrition and fitness? Are you not a mother? Are you not a friend to somebody? Are you not a spouse to somebody? Do you not have activities you want to do? Do you want to not want to ever eat out? Do you want to live in the gym for four hours a day? Like if that's what you want to live like, then great, go, you can do it. Like biggest loser works until it doesn't. But at some point you have to audit what the hell it is that you, where you're at right now, what's gotten you there. And then where does the next step for you? And what does that look like for you? Because sometimes it's unrealistic to get to the places that you want to be. Absolutely. Well, and like you said earlier, like a lot of times, I mean, we're definitely finding more, more and more of this as we continue coaching that a lot of the emotional awareness is really at the heart of a lot of these, these significant, not only changes you want to make, but why you're at the place you're at in the first place. Um, there's a lot of dieting wounds that women are coming to us. And I'm sure to you with, you know, being, being put on the scale by their mom at nine years old and starting Weight Watchers of 11 and stuff. And not only does that stuff leave a mark emotionally, it leaves a mark metabolically as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I have was talking to a woman once who was telling me that she, her mother put her on Weight Watchers when she was 11 or 12. Um, and then she had been on and off Weight Watchers until she was basically in her late teens. And then she had done all the other fads all through her college years and 20s. And she's never actually just eaten like she's never just eaten without a without like some mindfulness or, or awareness there's never, never had permission to right yeah. her, like based on what her mom created for her it was like unless you're always on a diet or chasing weight loss like you are not valuable right yeah. like we, have, we have these beliefs built in and i but at some point too i think there's got to be like a sense of awareness and just a little bit of tough love like my parents didn't give a shit about nutrition because they didn't care we were immigrants from russia so they were working six jobs between two people they didn't give a what I ate. They were just like, just don't die while we're not home. Oh. They're like, eat lean cuisine, have hot dogs. We don't give a shit. Just make sure the house is clean when we get home. So it's one less thing for us to do because we have to go to another job. So I had that end of the spectrum, which unless I took life into my own hands, I would have, I, I could have blamed all my problems on my parents, but I just choose not to. Yeah. So I think, I think at some point it's like, if you haven't done the mental work, like if, if, if Weighing food on a scale is traumatic for you. Like go hire a therapist, don't hire a coach. Like if looking at a scale on, on the floor is traumatic for you, go hire a therapist, like work through all these traumas first before you attempt this massive body transformation, because the body transformation won't be sustainable until you have a healthy relationship with it. Yeah. If you step on a scale and it triggers you to a place where you are physically like enabled to like cope that's not going to get a coach. That's not picking up another diet. That's not going for a five hour run. That's you needing some serious internal help. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that, and, and I know you've seen it too. We've seen it too. It's like, it really comes down to what's, what your wounds are, right. Are really why you believe weight loss will fix you looking at looking better. will fix you being presentable. will fix you. It's like, you're, first of all, you're not broken. Right. Yeah. Second of all, like we've seen people who have lost 50, 60 pounds and they're still miserable, right? So it's really not the number on the scale or the amount of weight loss or how big your biceps are or how many packs you can are, you can visibly see, you know, or how low your body fat percentage is. Because if you're not right, like emotionally, and I know people think, oh, well, when I get there, I will feel okay, you know? But we're seeing that like people cannot handle gaining weight. Like it no. really, really wrecks them emotionally. They, they feel like their value just like plummets, right? It's like, 
You're not Twitter stock, right? We're not, <laughs> we're not going down. <laughs> and then, yes, there's that narrative that like, we see it, like, we know that you are a valuable human no matter what, but they don't believe that. So it doesn't do us any good to just be like, no, your, you know, your value doesn't change at all. It's like, they believe so. So if that's their belief, then that's their reality. That's a reality. Yeah. yeah. Like there's definitely an aesthetic component to it. Like I lift purely because I'm vain. The only reason I work out is because I want to look a certain way. And that, but that's my why. And it fuels me, but I don't get like crazy about the scale or I don't have a poor relationship with food. Like I spent all day on the couch yesterday because I was hung over from Saturday night and I ate, I had pizza at 10 o'clock in the morning. And then I had a massive gnocchi bolognese dish at like six. And then I had an ice cream sandwich at like seven and seven 30. And I was in bed by nine. So like, am I going to weigh myself today and be like, oh my God, I'm up four pounds. Like I'm going to kill myself. Like, no, I, just, I know what I did to myself yesterday. I'm not going to weigh myself today, but I'm also not going to panic that I can't find a partner because I look a certain way. Like if I, if I truly think that my worth is derived from, and I did this for years, like I, I had multiple bad relationships with women and it was because I was never truly confident what I was bringing to the table. I always thought like, oh, well, maybe if I get jacked, she'll like me. Or maybe if I'm ripped, she'll like me. Or maybe if I'm strong, she'll like me. As opposed to like, this is who I am. And I know I bring a lot to the table on multiple avenues. And if you don't like it, then I'll find somebody else. Yeah. But a lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people think that I'm not going to get the job that I want or the spouse that I want or the life that I want because I don't look a certain way. It's like, sure, if you want to worry about that forever, then you better live accordingly to that to that standard. You better eat according to that standard and train according to that standard. But that's exhausting. Totally. It's a, like a trauma drive. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even, even the way you broke that down is not, um, it's not that far off from the recognition of your own uh, deficits in confidence or your own um, wounds or however you want to describe it. You acknowledge this thing happened. It makes me feel this way. This is how I recover. And this is, and also like the, the, that and, and all the other aspects of yourself, that awareness, like this is the totality of, of who I am, like the, the choices, the good parts, the flaws, all of it. And, and that, uh, you know, I love this definition of humility that, you know, it's not about thinking that you're worse than everybody. Humility is acknowledging that you're great. And so is everybody else, right? Like that, um, we can get, so we can just get so lost in, in all of that. And I totally agree with you. It's not about, it's not about blaming parents, even the shittiest parents in the world, probably, uh, I, I'm not going to make general, general statements. <laughs> let's just say that for most of us, our parents just did the best they could. That's and That's what they had, you know? And, and so it's just about, you know, I love my parents. I know they love me, but yeah, there's just, you got you, everybody has stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's just about acknowledging it and, and uh, embracing all the parts of you and moving forward. So yeah. What are you going to say? I was going to say the science of this stuff is really easy. It's actually, it's not, let's not say it's easy. It's simple. There you go. Ca calories in, calories out is simple. Training modalities are simple. They're literally, it's just math. All of it is math and physics to some extent. It's not, it's not like rocket science by any stretch of the imagination. The hard part about all this is the emotional component of it. The patience, yes. the, the, the persistence, the, the willpower, the relationship with food, the past traumas, the psychological aspects of all this stuff is much more difficult to live with than the science of it. Like if we were, if we were all just calorie in, calorie out calculators, it would be simple. Like, okay, 
eating a deficit, you lose fat, eating a surplus, you'll gain muscle, like train to those goals and you'll be absolutely fine. But it's like, how long and how much willpower do you have? How long do you have to spend at each one of these phases? What should you do when your body adapts and what's going on in your life subsequent to all these physical and, and goals that you have? So like, do you have a lifestyle that's conducive to nutrition and fitness? Is, are you setting your environment up for success? Um, you know, are you somebody who travels constantly or is constantly stressed? Do you have a shitty relationship with your significant other? Are your kids a pain in the ass? Does your job suck? Um, like if all these things are on the table, do you think that this is a time in your life that you're going to be able to pour all of your energy into something like meal prepping and going to the gym five days a week? People do that, right? They have a humongously full plate and then they stick weight loss at the very top. Like it's like a cherry or something like, <laughs> like it's this big. Like, I mean, you know. It's, it's like towers high, but like, oh, I should probably lose weight. You know, like I have all these life stressors piled up, you know, but like, by all means, weight loss sounds like, a, this sounds like a really good, <laughs> yeah. and, and, I, and I think what's so interesting about like what you were saying too, it's like, you know, when we talk about how a lot of the inner work comes with it too, and how you're talking right now, it's like the emotional psychological component outside of just the eating and the exercising. It's like, well, why don't we recognize that? Like a lot of the reasons why we feel compelled to do the things we do are part of that emotional psychological component, right. Mm -hmm. Versus the action, right. People just think like, Oh, I'm such a, like, you know, I just can't find any motivation. I can't find, I just can't figure out how to like get there till I do it again. It's like, well, that's really not the physical part of it. Like you acting, it's like, what's going on in your head? What's mm -hmm. stopping you from that? Right. But nobody thinks that they're like, oh, I just have to like grind through it and like do it. And it's like, mm, but yeah, 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 yes. And yeah, yes, and where, what's going on in here, right? What's yeah. going on, on the inside that's keeping you stuck from that, right? It's not, it's that we get, you hear this all the time. We hear this all the time. I know what I need to do, but I just can't do it. Okay. It, it's not, the, it's not, it's, well, yes, there's part of you that has to like put yourself into action and momentum, but like if you are having an emotional block that's keeping you from actually taking action, that's what we need to address. Yeah. Right? That's well, what we need to figure out. What that totally. Means. Well, and while I totally, while I agree, yes, like, um, you know, if you're finding yourself consistently triggered, that's definitely therapy at the same time. I don't know that I would have known these things about myself if I hadn't started with some of the objectivity you're talking about, right? Like tracking what I'm eating, um, going, going to the gym, these different things and realizing like, um, I mean, one of my first ahas was realizing like, if I didn't weigh my food, I would under eat. It wasn't always about like making sure I wasn't eating too much, you know, that I had this default assumption in multiple areas of my life that I was just always kind of doing a bad job, you know? So realizing, uh, you know, where, where, where the science is getting stuck, where you are, where you aren't consistently being able to follow through can help that awareness can help you ask some really powerful, like life-changing questions. Love the the combination of bringing that objectivity of the data into, you know, the you evolving as a person. Yeah. And what's the data even doing? Like people like always obsess about this, like body fat number, like this body, like I was talking about body fat percentage for somebody the other day. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> like, well, it's what, not like what, temperature or if you're like, and yeah. what what are you going to do with that information? If you're 21 percent body fat, okay. Now, what did you what did you reveal about your pro your next protocol? Nothing. You've done nothing. You went and got a 200 dollars DEXA scan to tell you that you're fat or that you're not fat. That's okay. Like, did you not have a mirror? Did clothes not fit a certain way? Did you not have those metrics in place? So it's like, who gives a shit about the number? Like, I guess, yeah, well, like, you want like your FICO score. It's like, what are you going to do with? <laughs> you, I guess you body fat is an important thing to or body weight is an important thing to know because it helps us as coaches determine some things to some extent. But I don't I don't even use formula. Like I used to use like Mifflin St. Gior and all these other Harris Benedicts and all that shit. 
But now I just like, all right, I'm like, track your food for a week. Let's see where you're at. If weight doesn't change much, then we know you're at maintenance. And that's probably where we're going to start. Yeah. That's that. Like, it's as easy as that. Like, literally, if anybody doesn't want to hire a coach, you want to figure all this stuff out on yourself, get chronometer or get my fitness bell, track your food accurately for two weeks. If you don't really see much of a change in weight, that's your maintenance. Good. Now, if you want to go down, eat less. If you want to go up, eat more. Well, it's wild because people won't even do that, right? They just like, I don't want to know what I'm eating. And you're like, okay, well, this is the first problem. <laughs> like, like, and, like, and, but, and that's, but like, why? I mean, is that like, I don't want to do that. It's like, but that tells you everything. <laughs> yeah. Like the only reason why I didn't track my food yesterday is because I don't care. Like yeah. I, I, I know that I ate like, I know it was probably north of five or 6,000 calories. It's not going to change my behavior the next day. So right. like I know today, so like I'm doing that you don't have, you can decide whether to take it or leave it. Right. It's like, if it's not optimal, I also know it's not optimal. I know that I have that awareness. Right. Just like you, it's like, it's not going to serve me to track it. So why? Right. And it's, it's, I'm also not in a place where I'm trying to evoke any massive change. Like, don't tell me that you want to change and then, un, and then you're unwilling to change behavior. If you're like on this massive path, like massive path to like do something different, whether it's body composition or strength or performance or whatever it is, even like jobs and relationships. If you want to create some meaningful change, know where you're at, understand what's going on and then shift because of it. But like, if you're in a place where you're like relatively comfortable, okay, then cool. Like there's nothing wrong with being in a maintenance place phase of your life. And you can be in a maintenance phase for a very long time. You could obviously like improve some factors of it you can clean up food quality you can increase training intensity you can maybe up cardiovascular work a little bit but you don't have to make these massive overhauls but if you truly are uncomfortable in your own skin and hate the way you look and feel then you better be prepared to get slightly uncomfortable because being comfortable is what led you to this point well it's like nothing changes if nothing changes either way right it's like happy if nothing's changing that's maintenance right great congratulations reliable right but then if you're seeking change then yeah you are going to have to modify what you're currently doing i mean that's just i mean that's the rub right don't be a don't be a butt person i always get like butt people i get like the people that are like i want to do this but i want to do this but Mm -hmm. i want to try that but i want to achieve this but but like you have all these we're talking glutes for a second (laughs) (laughs) that would be easy that's the easy part but like if you're like if you're already creating these barriers for yourself before you even started trying something I had a woman that was referred to me from another client of mine who was really successful with me. So, and she's been like my poster child. She's almost, you know, she's, I think she's turning 50 this week, um, grossly under eating, never really training hard. And and she's just completely changed her body within six months of being really adherent. And she posted a picture of before and after. And like, I, I don't, I don't ever do those that she posted it. So I shared it. And then all these people that are in her circle started reaching out to me. Like, I want to look like she does. I'm, I'm like, okay, listen, she is an anomaly. She's a recovering alcoholic who's got more willpower in her little finger than I have in my entire life. She lives a life that's very structured, very regimented, very scheduled. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. She's got a very free-flowing job that doesn't require her to be anywhere. She's a real estate agent. So it's like, do you think that you're going to get her results because she got them? Are you willing to do the things that she's done? Do you have even the space for it mentally and physically and in your lifestyle? So ask yourself those questions. Don't just arbitrarily look at a before and after picture and be like, well, I'm going to do exactly what she did and get the same result. No, no, absolutely not. Your physiology doesn't work that way. It's like the approach has to be very specific to the person. Like it worked for her. doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And it doesn't mean that you can even, you're even capable of doing what she did. 
And I had a woman, a friend of hers reached out to me and I immediately said, okay, this is how I work. I need you to track your food for seven days. She's like, well, I can't do that. Okay. Um, what are you willing to do? She's like, well, I, I, I can tell you what I ate. I'm like, okay, can I at least see it? Can you at least send me pictures of it? She's like, no. I said, okay, well then we're not really going to be a good fit because I need something to work off of that's real. Like I need data. I'm not just going to take your word for it because I don't trust anybody. I don't like, like I know people suck at track. I'm not the best food tracker. There's stuff that I miss. So, and, and a picture can only show me a picture of what you ate. We don't know anything about portion sizes. So there has to be some level of precision. And she wasn't, she was unwilling to do any of the initial quantitative work to help me coach her. So I just said that this is just not going to work. Like I can't, like, you're not going to walk into your doctor's office and just stand there and have them ask, be like, can you give me a diagnosis of whether or not I have cancer? Like, no, we have to do some diagnostic work first before we determine the path we're going to take. So like be willing to do some initial investigative work and you're not going to have to track food forever, but do it for a little while. At least, especially if you're working with a coach, give the coach some real information. But if even if you're doing it for yourself, don't you want to understand where you're at, especially with all the tools we have available today. Like, it's not like it's like 1970 where you had to like go to like a book and, and write it down in a journal and do all this math. Like you plug it, you, you have a bar scan or a barcode scanner on your phone that tells you how, like exactly what the label is. 99% of the time, it's pretty accurate. Like it's not hard. It's tedious to some extent, but you, I know people that pre-log their meals for the next day while they're taking a in the morning. <laughs> like they literally like they get up in the morning they plan their day or even that day and they just literally say okay i'm gonna eat this this and this based on this and that in the five minutes that they're on the toilet they're just tracked their, all their food for the day oh my gosh I... and they're and they're done like it's not it's not like this time like having a i have a food scale on my counter every single day of, of my life like it's not like it's this it's just another thing that i use so it's not that it's not difficult but people want to overcomplicate it and then they have these these mental gaps that they create for themselves because of a fear that they're not good because they're not willing to, or the numbers are scary, or holy, I ate three thousand calories. Oh, great, that's great. We now we know, but now we know exactly. Like you stand in front of the cupboard at nine o'clock at night and you wolf down seven tablespoons of peanut butter at least we know what we're working with so we can make some adjustment as opposed to just throwing something at the wall and seeing if it sticks. Absolutely. And therein lies like all of the potential for transformation inner and outer is when you're, when you're willing to acknowledge what, what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're taking in, what you're not taking in. Like that's, there's so many dimensional ramifications from you just owning where you're at. And it can be it can be tremendously difficult, but it's not any harder than the way you've been doing it. Nope. It's it's much harder to live in a place where you're not happy than to do some of the work, or it's much harder to, like, I see people like always trying to find these like biohacks and these tips and these tricks. and like, what's the easy way? Like, send me the recipes. I'm like, don't you want to figure this out? Like, don't you want to figure out how to live autonomously at some point without help? Like, it's the whole teach a man a fish, teach a man to fish or bring a man a fish like analogy. Like, yeah, it's nice to be spoon fed all of it. But at some point, don't you can't have a coach or a trainer forever purely because of financial reasons. I don't care how rich you are. You're not going to spend the money on it forever. So like spend some time. And, and what's a year? Like a year is nothing in the grand scheme of things. Like If you spend a year doing this process, even if you did it on your own, you would be monumentally better for the rest of your life because of it. 
all the resilience you would learn, you would teach yourself, the patience, the mindfulness, the awareness, the tactics you'd pick up. Your whole life as a whole would change just because you started to do this on your own, as opposed to continuously either paying for coaching and not doing the work, paying for a trainer and not asking any questions, going into a group fitness class and being led around by your nose. Like none of it is going to ever produce any meaningful change because you're not learning anything. Like at 15, we went to the gym and we had no clue what we were doing. None, zero. Like we were just like, we were in a, we went to a gold gym in Cheshire, Connecticut, where it was literally populated by guys that were in their forties, working out in jeans and work boots after their shift at like at the farm or at like the, the, the factory was over. All the dudes were on steroids. They were all massive. And we were just, we, we learned the old school way of doing things, which was, this is going to suck. And that's how, and some of us got hurt. Like I blew my shoulders out twice while I was working out as a kid, but then you start to buy magazines and books and you start to ask people that are better than you. And now one year it turns into five, turns into 10. And now you have this really solid rock solid foundation, as opposed to all these people that are trying to find like the easy way, where's the pill, where's the potion, who's the, you know, who's the new charlatan of the day that's prescribing some new I don't know. What's the new pill now? It's, uh, well, not well, Octavia is a diet, but everybody's now like turning to like some eglatide or some other compound to regulate blood sugar, build some muscle. That's your, that's your blood sugar regulator. Take some walks. That's another blood sugar regulator. Why do you need like my mother who's 76? Yeah. Maybe she needs to take a pill, but if you're like 40, why do you have to turn to medication all of a sudden? Oh my gosh. Did we just hear like the male version of like the girls, the, you know, the girls constantly under eating and like jumping one from one diet to another and having like vision boards of like Victoria's Secret models and bikinis. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and when, yeah. And that's the other, like, I, I, I know I don't want to ever look like any of the people that I go to the gym with. Like, I, I just like, would it be cool? Like, yes. Would it be fun to like be, I'm also five, eight, 215 pounds. Like I'm never going to be six, four. Like, I'm not going to look like Jason Momoa. I'd love to. <laughs> He's a beautiful man, but I know that I, that's just not, that's not the hand I was dealt. So I'm going to live within the specificity in the body that I have. So I'll do the best I can with what I have. Yeah. So don't like, don't look at like, if you're, if you're five, two, one seventy, and you're just, you got a big butt, big legs, do, do what you got to do with what you have. Like, you're not going to look like Gwyneth Paltrow six, one and 120 pounds. No matter how much running you do. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you can do all the cardio and eat all the kale and starve yourself and, that you're still not going to look like her because you don't have her body type. So maybe start like looking at the information that's relevant to your specific situation. Like there are really good accounts on Instagram that are really informative and inspirational and science-based, but also, you know, mental health-based. So that's the information. And that's why I was trying to share like positive accounts because I think the female demographic, especially is so misled. Like they're told that, you have to do this to do this. And if you don't do it this way, it's not going to work. And if you don't buy this product, it's not going to work. And you have to use the pink labeled protein powders and you have to buy these gloves and these waists. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and it's, it's all such because the fitness industry is so good at making money off of your desperation and your lack of willingness to be curious. Yeah. And your lack of supporting of yourself, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah find ways to support who you are is really going to feel the best to you. Right. Like it's like, it doesn't like you, you know, we've had this conversation just now, like, you know, whether it's your genetics or who you're following or what your lifestyle is like, like figure out how it works for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't do me any good to like, you know, idolize some girl who's 23. Right? It's yeah. like, this is just not how it is. Right. But 
finding women who are like, you know, similar body shapes and body types to me with like maybe as many kids as I have, or they work or whatever it is makes more sense. Right. It's like you have genetic potential. You just have to go find it. It's not somebody else's though. Right? Yeah. No, no. And, 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 and understand what they're doing. Like, um, I don't know. You guys know Shannon, the gym nurse. Yes. Uh-huh. So like, I like the way that she does things because she always paints with context and she always puts timelines on stuff. She's like, so this is what took me seven years to achieve. And then when people see that number, like, oh my God, this is going to be seven years. Who knows? It may be 10 for you. It may be 12, right. but it's still going to buy you a lot of grace at the back end of your life. So like, if you're, let's say you're 45 and you have another 40 or 50 years on this earth. So what? So you spend the next five years Paying attention. Oh, exactly taking, there. We've totally. got a lot of life left. Like train like, with Joan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Train with Joan. If you don't yeah. know. Oh, is she like the 70 something year old yeah. woman? Who, yeah. So awesome. Better shoulders than most of us. Yeah. I know. I know. But than me. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that to me, that's, that's inspirational. Seeing somebody that it doesn't matter how old you are, you're never too old to change. Yeah. But you have to be actually curious and willing to learn as opposed to just be a monkey and execute. Because even the execution part at some point without any understanding behind it is not going to lead to any sustainable changes. Totally. And, and, and people have to understand that the better they get and the more consistent they are and the more specific they are, the slower your body is going to be as it progresses every time. So I always, I use like the seesaw analogy. So like when you're first starting out, you're at the ends of the seesaw, like any slight movement towards the middle, you're going to just keep tipping. <laughs> But as the sooner as the sooner you get closer to the middle of that seesaw where the fulcrum is, there's not going to be much movement there. Mm. So like when you're really good at when you're really strict with your diet, when you're really, you know, honing in your exercise and you're really good at all of it, you're sitting right in the middle and you can move slightly to the left or right, and there's not going to be any movement there. So that's how much harder it is going to be for you at that at each next phase. So you can't expect, like I think I forgot what the actual number was, but I think like a good rate of change as far as like uh, muscle increase on a female is like a quarter to a half a pound a month. And that's if you're doing everything right. So, and I think a good acceptable rate of change when it comes to weight loss is like a half a pound to a pound a week. And even that could be egregious to sometimes depending on where you're starting from. So like if you weigh 130 pounds and you have eight pounds to lose, you're not losing a pound a week. It's just impossible because at some point, like you can't lose that forever because you'll die. Yes. You know, it's it's much easier. Like, that's why the biggest loser was always the example on earth because you were taking these really large, inactive, poorly, you know, poorly trained and poorly fed people and then just completely doing a 180 with their life. And they were getting these massive results, which they, they all then put on weight plus some because they were never going to be able to sustain that level of eating or activity. And, but people don't ever think about the after like, okay, I did the diet. What the hell happens now? Like, what does my life look like now? Did you have a plan for the after? Or did you just, did you have any structure to even begin with? So like, ask yourself before I start keto, which could work and it could be viable for two to three months before I start intermittent fasting, it could work. Do I have a structure and an idea of what the hell I'm doing now? Do I eat at the same times? Do I eat relatively the same things? Do I eat about in the same quantities? If I have some idea of that, then I know that when I go from my diet back to that, I at least have some semblance of control and management as opposed to I have absolutely no idea what's happening. You know, three or four meals a day or, or two to three meals a day are spent eating out. And, uh, and now I'm going to like plastic containers on only that for the next three months. Okay, then when you're going to go from a blasting container back to the restaurant, 
you're not going to have any idea anymore or, or control. Totally. I, I, that is before I started. I mean, we've been in this for about seven years. Before that, I thought you could just drop your pounds off at the airport. Like, you know what I mean? Just like a bag of luggage. Like it's just gone. Like you could just, you lost it. So it's gone. It's like gone. I had absolutely no understanding whatsoever. And it's, it's true. I think maintenance is the hardest, one of the hardest places for women to be, especially if it comes from, if the grind has come from a place of like, yeah, I'm broken and not enough for those, those types of things. I can't even tell you how it's, I mean, we, it's just great to hear this coming from a dude. Can I just say that? Is that okay to say? (laughs) It's what happens when you work with all women. There's a lot of societal standards and histories and traumas with men. It's like, I, I, I just, I, I finally recently just signed on another man. It, it, so like he progresses on a biweekly basis. Cause it's it literally, it's just like plug and play simple because when he steps on the scale, if it's up or down, he doesn't give it. If he overeats or under eats one day, he doesn't give it. If he misses a training day, he doesn't give it. When you work with females, like there's a lot of stuff underneath the surface that you have to address and always manage. Because if that stuff's not being handled, like forget about like food quality, forget about training modalities, forget about all that stuff. It doesn't matter because the the stuff that we have to deal with when I have like I had a woman send me a picture of her thigh the other day. She was laying on a beach chair in Florida while she was at home. And she's like, look at all this fat hanging off my thigh. I'm like, you're 50 and that's skin. What are you talking about? Like if I sat forward and rolled forward, my abs would be gone and you would see skin and fat also. Like, what do you, like if I stood in front of the mirror for an hour each day and just micromanaged every one of my imperfections, okay, then that would be, that, yeah, of course I'm going to find. If you hold up an egg to any kind of light, you're going to find a crack in that egg. Totally. Well, and this is such a great, was such a great point to make because it's like, that is, when, when you're thinking about what you want for this, for this year, like it's those moments that you, that are, that have to be included in what you want for yourself. Like that it has to be. And logically we don't really, when we're, when we're setting goals, we, for, we forget about that kind of stuff. I think of like the, the difficult emotional stuff. And that's the stuff that like has to be reckoned with. So when you're, you know, just like, I just like, you can't drop your extra weight at the airport, like, like having forward focused body goals doesn't mean that you're leaving all of that emotion in in the past either. That's also got to be stuff that we are including um, in our expectations of progress and healing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Learn how to manage your bad days. Cause they're going to, they're going to be plenty of them. There's going to oh be gosh. days where you like wake up in the morning and you're like, shit, I don't want to do this today. Or I just want to lay on the couch all day and eat ice cream and watch legally blonde. Like there's going to be days where that's just going to happen. Okay. So have one of those days, but don't expect the next day to feel good because digestively you'll be off. Your mood will be off. Your energy will be off. So that's okay. So basically one day of self-neglect turns into two days of feeling like crap, which is okay. Then, but on that, on that second day, pick yourself up. Like I always tell all my clients, like you have 24 hours to celebrate. You have 24 hours to grieve. Yeah. Totally. And then, and then get your together at some point, because there's people that are probably depending on you, especially if you have kids. Yeah. You have to go to work, like show up as your best self. Like we're all like, obviously when you say grief, like grief can be a son of a and it can take forever to get through. Lord knows I've been there, but like, don't you want to feel better? Is, are there not tactics in place and resources available to you to 
help you with self and self and mental care? Are there not books you can read? Are there not podcasts you can listen to? Because it's very easy to sit in a hole. It's comfortable. It's cozy. It's warm. You can draw the blinds. You can, you know, you can shut the world out and just sit there in front of the television and just feel like about yourself. Or you can choose to say that, okay, I had that day. I understood how it felt. I understood where it came from. My intention now is to try to feel better. And what am I going to do to what, what actions am I going to take to get there? And that's why I hate motivation. Like motivation is, it's, it's short lived. It comes and goes throughout multiple days. Inspiration I like because inspiration typically comes with an action plan. Mm-hmm. Motivation is just, is just being talked at. Like, and that's why sometimes with these podcasts that I do, I always like to talk about the actionable steps because it's, it's easy like to listen to this and then like, yeah, all right. So a woman will listen to this tomorrow on her drive to work. And she'll get fired up. And then three days from now, her kid will be sick. Her husband gets laid off from work. The electricity at the gym goes out, so she can't work out. And all of a sudden, now all these best laid intentions are gone. And her plan is gone because her environment is now completely changed. And she doesn't have a plan for it. So I don't care about the motivation. Like, be inspired. Understand that this is going to take forever. And it should. Because it will. you should eat a certain way and, and move your body until you're dead. It doesn't matter whether you want to lose fat or gain muscle. It should, you should just honor yourself that way. Mm-hmm. And just understand that there's going to be mul- multiple times in your life where things will get derailed. And that's okay. Who cares? Absolutely. Like sometimes, you know, having having your your plans messed up or falling off the wagon, so to speak, is exactly how you realize you want to get back on, you know, and like, I love that you said, like, honor yourself, because that is like, caring about how you feel is probably one of the uh, trickiest, I know it's one of the trickiest lessons for me to learn, but it's definitely one of the trickiest lessons to try to help a client learn um, that how you feel matters. I mean, even just like the, like the, the, like the, rate of perceived exertion. Like I love, love that rule because I feel like it's another thing that has dimensional ramifications. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's hard for whoever, it doesn't matter where you've been before, um, how hard it is for you is, is what we care about. And that that is the great measure for success, right? Like just, um, a little bit, a little, you know, little steps at a time and, uh, and being proud of yourself every step of the way. Should we talk about some of the things that people can do in January so they don't get lost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Sure. Yeah. And then um, uh, make sure you tell us where to tell everyone where to find you and also pitch your event that's coming up too. Yes. Sure. Let's just assume that you're somebody listening to this and you don't want to hire a coach. You don't have the money for it. You don't want to invest in yourself, whatever. Fine. What do I do? If you're in a group fitness class setting, if you're willing to make the investment, hire a decent personal trainer, like make that, give yourself that Christmas present. Hire yourself a personal trainer and spend at least the next 90 days with that trainer and learn when you're in that, in the gym with that trainer, ask them questions. Why am I doing a lap pull down? Where am I supposed to feel it? Why am I doing a row? Where am I supposed to feel it? Why am I squatting? Where am I supposed to feel it? Ask. If they don't tell you, hire another trainer, fire that trainer on the spot, walk away from them, say, I'm sorry, this didn't work out and leave. And if your trainer is just trying to make you sweat and be uncomfortable, fire that trainer. Um, It's very easy to make somebody uncomfortable in the gym. I can make you do burpees between every set and you'll be miserable and you'll sweat and you'll feel like you had this amazing workout, but nothing was achieved. So be curious and understand that there is a process to this. And really, really, really understand that strength training with progressive overload. And I know you've probably, if you've watched any of these decent accounts on Instagram, you've heard that at nauseam now. 
Progressive overload just simply means I can either put more weight on whatever I'm doing, or I can squeeze out another rep or two the next time I attempt it. And that's what should be the pursuit every single time. So set one and set three should not have the same weight in the same rep scheme. Like if you're doing three sets of 10 and you're not at least trying for 11 or 12, or you're not at least trying to go up in weight, then you're not really training. You're just kind of going through the motion. So that's I would say strength training in that arena is going to at least start to produce some positive change. Understand that strength training and cardio are two different things that are going to create change. Cardio is breaking your body down. Strength training is building your body up. So again, strength training is to build muscle, not to burn calories. Cardio is where you can burn calories, but burning calories and burning fat are two different things. So you should be doing cardio primarily for cardiovascular health, but also for extra energy expenditure. And the more fat you have to lose, the more cardio you should probably do simply because it will benefit you to help use that stored energy. But diet is king. And when I say diet, I don't mean a diet. I mean the way you eat. And the way you eat doesn't mean eat less. It means eat better. And eat better probably means for most people eat more protein. And at least for me, I I, I like beef. I like fish. I like whey. Um, I don't, the reason why I don't love chicken is I don't trust chicken in this country because I feel like it's really over farmed. Um, and I, and it chicken in general, and this is not to scare anybody. This is just the chemical components of poultry. It has more omega-6 fatty acids in it. So they tend, when you have a lot of inflammation already, let's say, because you have some levels of underlying obesity or you have some hypertension or some other underlying conditions, increasing inflammation by way of food is going to make it more unfavorable and less responsive to the body. So I would say better sources in my, again, my opinion only here is seafood is always going to be awesome, especially if it's wild caught beef, grass fed, grass finished is always going to be awesome because it's got really high levels of micronutrients and omega threes. And those are anti-inflammatory. And if your stomach can handle it, a high quality, 100% whey isolate powder can help supplement your protein intake for the day, but don't shy away from things like Greek yogurt. Um, cause it can help even if you're like, I'm relatively lactose intolerant, but I can still handle like a Greek yogurt every once in a while. Um, but I, you know, I stick to the same things for carbs, keep them as natural as possible. Fruit, vegetables, rice, potatoes, can't go wrong. The less stuff out of a box or a bag, the better you'll feel, the less bloated you'll be, the less water you'll retain. Um, and for fats, they're going to come naturally occurring in protein, or you're going to get them from stuff like coconut seeds, nuts, nut butters. Watch out for those nut butters because fat is double as caloric as, as carbs and proteins are, which I'm sure you have taught everybody that already, but Fat can add up quick, um, and I, Lord knows when I stand in front of the peanut butter jar at night, it can get out of hand fast, so watch that stuff. And when you measure when you measure peanut butter, don't use tablespoons. Use, <laughs> use, use grams because 32 grams is much different than two tablespoons, and that's what a serving of peanut butter is. It's 32 grams. It's not two tablespoons because a tablespoon what's, that's overfilled to the top is much different than a tablespoon that's been scooped off at the edge. So understand that those weights and measures differ. Um, and if you want to get really specific, track your food for two weeks, see where you're at, and then make your decisions based off of that number. You take your average calories per day, average macros per day, and then you can determine what needs to change. And walk as much as possible. Have some tactics in place to mitigate stress, whether that's journaling. If you want to hire a therapist, obviously that's going to be best. Read. Um, keep it. Keep something by your bedside at night if you're 
a sleeper to where you can at least jot down some of your thoughts when you wake up and can't go back to bed. That's a tactic that I think works really well for people. Um, or like, I know if you've been neglecting like me, I neglect reading all the time. So I'll just keep a book by my bedside. And if I wake up at one in the morning, I just turn like the, the book lamp on and I, within five minutes, I'm back asleep because I'm so bored. And, it's <laughs> um, so that's another thing and, and have a nighttime and a morning time routine, like do the same things in the morning and at night, every single day, just to get your body into a rhythm where you always have that level of productivity. And like my rule for everybody is wake up an hour and a half before you have to be anywhere. Mm. Like if you have to be somewhere at seven, wake up at five thirty. If you have to be somewhere at eight, wake up at six thirty. Like give yourself an hour and a half because it's hard to f up an hour and a half. And that's really it. That's the those are the basics for me. Man, love that. It's a really comprehensive, exceptional list for sure. Yeah. Okay. So Thank tell so us tell everyone where to find you and then also about your event. Uh, at four weeks to the beach on Instagram, the number is four and two. Um, that's really where I spend most of my time. It's where I'll answer DMs. I I host uh I didn't do it last week, but every week I'll do a live, a free live Zoom Q&A where I'll just throw up my email address and anybody who signs up can just do a live Q&A um, on a Zoom call that I'll just do once a week just to answer questions about all this stuff specific to them. And then the event that I'm hosting is, it's mainly intended for coaches, but I do have some lay people coming who are just going to come because they want to learn about the different ins and outs. But there's going to be, it's in Vegas. It's called the Real Coaches Summit. It's in March of next year, uh, the 6th and the 7th. It's a Monday and a Tuesday at the Virgin Hotel in Vegas. There's going to be, I think at this point now, we're at 25 presenters. And it's going to be everything ranging from how to train for hypertrophy, how to train during a fat loss phase, how to deal with hormones over 30, how to deal with um, gut health issues that you might have. So it's very comprehensive. There's a lot of information that's going to be there. Also part of the spiritual and mental component, people will be talking about that. There'll be people talking about disordered eating and how to resolve some of those issues. So if you're a coach that's listening, that's, that could be a great way to, to level up your knowledge base and to obviously network with other fitness professionals who I think are very ego-free because that's who I chose. Um, this is not about sales and marketing. This is not how to get more clients. This is really about how to be a better practitioner of coaching as opposed to just, I want to get more and more money in the door. Um, because I think if you're good at what you do, you'll just, you'll make money. Um, that's it. That's it. well, thanks so much for Seriously. hanging out with us. Make sure you check out his no BS approach on Instagram and we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Oof, you made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks. <laughs>